The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, welcome everybody. This is Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I welcome you to the Visual Workplace in this week in January 2014. It is our last week in January, actually. Boy, what a good month. It was good to get back in the saddle again and to get everything kind of sorted out and begin this great new year year with um, some um, sense of coherency. It's been a very strong month, but I am really glad that I paid attention to it. So welcome, welcome. This is the Visual Workplace. This is our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. And in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system, our intelligence, into the living landscape of work through visual devices, how to install the language of our excellence Whatever level of excellence we are, we may be just at the beginning of that journey, but we capture that, we embed it through visual devices, and that gives us a way to look at, hey, this is what what I am and what I know and how we function right now at this minute. I can see it because it exists in these devices that we've developed. We've captured it. We've captured our thinking and our functionality. We've embedded it, and that gives us a, a platform on which to contemplate the next steps. We have established ourselves so then we're able to see the gap. We're able to see the gap between what is supposed to happen and what does happen. The extent to which we captured what is supposed to happen, our standards, our specs, our values, our commitments, even our visions and our um, very large strategic outcomes as we're going to be talking about as we are talking about in our series that we're now on leadership, we capture it, we embed it, and then we are able to build upon it and adjust it and tweak it and go further. It gives us a platform of stability and anchor. Visuality, my great friend, greatest gift I have in my life is this work that I've been given to explore this wonderful field and to codify it and find words to uh, put around it so that... um, Others can uh, contemplate it for themselves. <laughs> so today we are in our the third of our series, the third episode of our series on visual leadership, the principles and practices. And um, before I get into the show, I want to kind of jump in because we have uh, some uh, we have a foundation to put into place today. I just want to mention to you that please call in. 
whenever you like, even at this very moment, ask a question that's relevant to our discussion or that is not. You are welcome to call in. You are my colleague and my partner in this, my collaborator and my affiliate. Our line is the call-in listener call-in line is 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. Or you can email at radio at visualworkplace.com. Radio at visualworkplace.com is the email that we've set aside for you, our listeners. And visit us, of course, at our uh, website, visualworkplace.com. I'll be mentioning that because there's some things that you can go to see that will clarify some of my discussion today. Okay? So we are having a visual uh, thinking and probably a visual leadership seminar in Portland, we think, um, at the beginning of April. Uh, I will be in Oklahoma City in May. The, I'm doing that in conjunction with AME, the Association for Manufacturing Excellence. Uh, I will be in England in uh, June, and I'm going to go hiking. Boy, there is nothing like hiking in those English hills. They're unbelievably beautiful, and they're all very accessible. They're not very high, but they're, they're really stunning. And then um, we're going to be doing some other things, and we'll make sure to let you know. Uh, we are um, going to be launching a new website. I think it's going to be this week. I thought it was going to be by this week, but this week, and it's specifically on looking at our Work That Makes Sense on-demand webinar series that is a implementation, an implementation and training package, I think pretty complete. It's a suite of materials for operator-led visuality. And uh, we have put it in this package in order for you and anyone like you to be able to acquire these materials and to use it for um, creating a very, very powerful operator or value-add associate level of visuality, making visual thinkers out of um, folks who are doing the value-add work, whether it's a hospital. Flinders in Australia is using the same material for um, for their staff. We're just beginning in about a week. Lots of things are happening. And out of that will come some specific uh, healthcare-specific examples. But I need them very robust. Uh, and then we can put together something that is comparable to work that makes sense for healthcare. Um, but we need to have the laboratory of developing those really, really strong examples that are eye-driven and uh, our expressions of the eight building blocks. And we'll be touching upon those today because they apply to leaders as well. So we've got a lot of things happening, and um, we will keep you in touch. So we've been, this is the third, the third episode in the series on visual leadership, the principles and practices, the third in our progression. And today we're going to be looking at the logic of visual thinking itself. We're going to take a quick scan of that logic. We're going to look at the principles and the building blocks, some of the core components, but we will shift them so that they relate to leaders. And remember, when we're talking about leaders, we include managers and supervisors in that group, not just executives, VPs, GMs, because all of those managers, supervisors, executives, GMs, site uh, plant managers, they all are in charge of sharing and supporting 
the corporate intent. Executives, VPs, GMs, etc., are also responsible for defining that intent. But managers and supervisors are part of the distribution chain, how that intent gets distributed, what the company is about, where it's going, how it gets there, how it wants to get there, how it plans to get there, how it does get there, is squarely in the hands of executives, managers, supervisors. It's true that that may not be that way in your enterprise, not yet, but in my mind, it's supposed to be that way in the new enterprise, in the new excellent enterprise. And so the same core visual principles that apply to operators also apply to leaders. And I want to kind of make that case for you today. All the discussion that we've had over these many, many months, you know, we started in September of 2011, has focused a lot, not exclusively, but a lot on those principles and building blocks related to operator-led visuality, what I call work that makes sense. The same cluster of wants and needs that motivate operators to get on board with visuality motivate, compel managers and supervisors and executives. And what are those wants and needs? Managers, supervisors, executives want to be good at their work. They want to be effective. They want to excel. They want to master the form. They want their performance to be reliable, stable, and also brilliant. They want to distinguish themselves. We all do. They want to contribute. We all do. And as they learn about visuality, these leaders understand that to do so, their performance, just like the operator's performance, must be embedded. It must be embedded into their own value field. The operator's value field, you know, is the production floor, is the bench, is the footprint of the welding uh, of the welding area, is the assembly bench, is the stores, the production floor. Or if you're in a hospital, it is the caregiving floor. That's where it happens. That's where the action is. For leaders, it's the same, but their value field, their field of work is, well, sometimes not that easy to locate, and we'll discuss that today. Where do they do their work, and what is their work? So it can really, really be said that leaders become more effective when they use, when they deploy visual devices to assist them in achieving their required day-to-day outcomes, their important tactical goals, and their compelling strategic victories. Visuality is a language that every employee can learn and I think must learn to speak. So let me set up the line of logic in order to demonstrate that a visual leader is, if you will, just another eye-driven visual thinker, just another visual thinker, because we want to create a workforce of visual thinkers, don't we? We want to have that language, the language of performance, spoken, embedded on every level of the organization for every function. 
Yet because of certain conditions, leader-led visuality is distinct and different, is apart from operator-led visuality. And one of those conditions, as mentioned a moment ago, just one of them is the field of value, the field of work is a moving target. Where is it? It's everywhere. And while the building blocks of visual thinking are the same for every employee, you know, the six core questions, definition of motion, definition of work, the metrics, the motion metrics, all of that, standards, the unique pressures of leadership expose and require a different set of expectations in some unique forms. So I'm going to I'm going to start differentiating that and hopefully this will be an interesting conversation for you so that you can see if you are a leader that visuality has a contribution to make and an important one a central one to your effectiveness. And if you are not a leader with the responsibility of the corporate intent, you aren't a manager, maybe you're reporting to a manager who has this, if you're, for example, an engineer, if you're a supervisor, or maybe you're reporting to a supervisor, but if you're reporting to a supervisor, I still want you to get this. I want you to know that the language of visuality is inclusive. It is the same as our language today. You speak it and you can function in, a, in an important way in society. You don't speak it and it's tough. It's really tough. It's a barrier. It's more than communication. It is language. And we'll talk about that more after the break. So I'll be here when you get back. See you in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening. 
listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome back to The Visual Workplace our weekly radio show on letting the workplace speak, our weekly radio show about finding all the ways we can for embedding our intelligence, our understanding of our operational system and of our performance, embedding that into the living landscape of our work through visual devices that we invent. And those devices give us the answers that we need, when we need it, as we need it, and as they answer our questions, they also answer the questions for the people around us. It's a double serving. We've got uh, plenty of answers to go around, and they are available when they are embedded. So just before the break, we were talking about how a visual leader is like a visual operator. Operator-led visuality, leader-led visuality, share the same principles, the same building blocks of thinking, the same basic logic. But there are a few conditions that are slightly and importantly different. One of them is where's the value field, which I'm going to discuss a little bit more as we, after we build a few of the, remind ourselves of what some of the um, basic definitions are the core, core, core definitions. So when a leader learns about, is effectively taught about visuality and given an opportunity to actually deploy it, to implement visuality on his or her own behalf, that visuality on the leadership level engenders truly a dazzling and coherent array of devices, structure, a coherent structure of embedded information. And with it comes a renewed and often fierce commitment to the enterprise. We become newly committed because we feel newly, if you will, empowered. We feel a new level of power. We can do it. And we know what the what is and we know the how because we have embedded it. Much more committed, much more fierce than trying to do that same job without those devices. These devices offer a language of professional effectiveness. They are an embedded language of professional effectiveness. They are also a language of personal expression. The devices make us the winners instead of just hope for winners. And remember, we have five core, I'm sorry, six core principles of visuality. We've discussed them. This progression, visuality is language. Because it is language, it is, it must be eye-driven. It is personal expression extended to a professional level. The language called visuality is, by definition, embedded. It's an embedded language embedded into the living landscape of work through visual devices. The result, this is number four, 
So one, visuality is language. Two, because it's a language, it's eye-driven. Three, the language called visuality is embedded into the landscape of work through visual devices. Four, the result is control over our corner of the world, whichever corner it is, operator, planner, engineer, CEO, supervisor, whatever corner it is. And that control creates margin. The internal possibility, the internal space for a shift. And number six is the shift is triggered. It's, it's triggered. Those are the six core characteristics of visuality that is pertinent to our discussion today about leaders and about the huge cultural shift that it creates. Remember, this came from our show two weeks ago called Visuality and Cultural Transformation, How Visuality Does It. Remember that recent discussion of margin, the internal space, where the power is, where the opportunity, the trigger for explosive growth is? You know, I remember seeing a mushroom one day on a summer's walk down a summer's lane. This was in Martha's Vineyard when I I used to live in Boston. Wow, what an amazing place. I was the luckiest person in the world. It was so beautiful. I was walking down the road, and I saw a mushroom. There was something very unusual about this mushroom. (laughs) It had a little hat on. It had a little hat of asphalt on its little head. It's a mushroom with a little hat of asphalt. Barely a seed in the dark, moist earth. This mushroom, this sprout, had pushed its way through the asphalt of the very road I was walking on. It was seeking a little margin. It needed space in which to grow, space in which to expand. And there it was. It was just so astonishing, magnificent, such a simple and required act. And that's us at work, asphalt on our head. And as soon as we find some room, we grow. And you know what that room is? That room is silence. It is a margin that is unfilled. And that's why it's powerful. It is unfilled. It is silent. It is still. And it allows us to move in it. And when we reduce the motion that surround us, surrounds us, the information deficits, we create that tiny little bit of space. It is a personal space because, you know, the questions that we answer through visuality are deeply personal, personal enough that when the answers aren't there, where are my tools? What am I supposed to be doing? How is the organization faring? What are our numbers? What do they mean? When we can't answer those readily and handily, we begin to question our lives. We question the wisdom of work and the wisdom of work in this particular company and it becomes an existential question. What am I doing, dear God? Why am I here? This is too hard. <laughs> but when the devices, we use these devices to populate our work area, which, by the way, is also a very personal location, if you haven't noticed, suddenly we have this margin. Time is liberated, space is liberated, and when they are liberated, we are liberated. It's called the liberation of the human will. This is the grid and the core 
of a spirited, engaged, unified workforce. Visuality doesn't just support vibrant, engaged employees. It creates them, and that goes for leaders, too. That's the point here. I want you to get. So what are those simple things? Let's go through them. We're going to review some basic definitions and principles, but we're going to shift them just a little bit so you and we together can see them from the leadership perspective. For example, definition of a visual workplace. Visual workplace is a work environment that is, remember this, self-ordering, self-explaining, self-regulating, and self-explain, sorry, and self, let me do that again. A visual workplace is (laughs) self-ordering, self-explaining, self-regulating, because it explains itself, it can regulate itself, and self-improving. On very high levels, you get a self-improvement loop, a built-in PDCA. It's there. It's embedded. Where what is supposed to happen does happen. On time, every time, day or night. Because of visual devices. Because of visual devices. If you take those devices away, you cannot achieve the definition I just gave you. What is supposed to happen might happen. And it might happen on the day shift, but it's not going to happen when we have four shifts and they're alternating and people's sleep cycles are always messed up without those visual devices. But with those visual devices, they become the coherent framework. They are the anchor. So that's our definition of a visual workplace. And what is supposed to happen for leaders? Because it's not the same thing as if you're on an assembly bench. The outcomes are different. The outcome is markets are named and conquered. KPIs are positive or simply off the chart. They're so good, so consistent, you don't track KPIs anymore. That's what's supposed to happen. You don't have to measure because there's no deviation. A wiggle. Profit margins are fat and they are juicy. That's what's supposed to happen from the point of view of a leader. For supervisors, the material has arrived on time. It's right. It's usable, certifiably. You have enough of it. It landed in the right place. The logistics happen like clockwork. Smooth flow, accelerated flow at will. Supervisors responsible for their own outcomes, their own margins. So, visual workplace for the for a leader, supervisor, manager, executive, is also made up of visual devices that ensure that what is supposed to happen does happen. That's what their purpose is. It is not simply visuality is not simply about seeing the difference between normal and abnormal. You know, that's what the lean guys said back in the 1980s when it was called JIT, the difference between normal and abnormal. That's like 1.5% of the spectrum of what visuality delivers. Well, we're getting into that now, so I I will not rant. I will not rant. I will not rant. (laughs) I love lean, but I, I wanted to recognize it needs to adjust some of its definitions. 
So if a visual workplace is made up of visual devices, let's remind ourselves what visual devices are. Visual devices are mechanisms, things that are intentionally designed to influence, direct, or limit behavior. Whose behavior? My behavior. Whose behavior? Your behavior. To influence, direct, or limit behavior by making vital information available as close to the point of use as possible. Point of use. I'm going to clap now. That's the point of use. Right there. As close to the point of use as possible to anyone and everyone who needs it without speaking a word. Visual device, it's tangible. And a visual workplace is populated not by hundreds, but by thousands of visual devices created by a workforce that knows how to think visually. Visual solutions for executives, managers, and supervisors are different than those developed by operators. And we'll pick this up after the break. I want to kind of draw that out so that you can see they are still devices, but they serve a different purpose because executive managers and supervisors have different job descriptions, different outcomes that they're responsible for. Okay, so we're going to take our second break, and this is Gwendolyn. I'll see you in a minute. I'll be here. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi. 
Let's begin our third segment of our show today, and our show today is Visual Leaders Are Visual Thinkers First. Visual Leaders Are Visual Thinkers Too. They understand visuality, and that's why they get involved in it, because they see that visuality not only helps the people who report to them down the many layers to the value-add level, but it can help them as well. And just before the break, we were talking about visual devices, these mechanisms that are intentionally designed to share information vital to the task at hand. But the solutions developed by and for executives, managers, and supervisors are different than those developed, for example, by operators or by planners. And there's an an obvious reason for that. Operators are dealing with tangible outcomes in their everyday work, such as making things, using material, converting material, finding material, doing tasks related to and on on those materials, delivering outputs that are trackable, tangible, measurable, because they are either physical or very bounded in time and space. This palette goes in this space at this time. This patient gets this med at this time. This report gets completed at this time in two hours and is delivered to these people, to those three planners or those three executives or those whatever. Bounded by time and space. It's very bounded. Executives deal with different outcomes. And as you move up from supervisor to manager and executive, things get more and more abstract. They're pretty abstract. The outcomes are yield, not delivering a pallet, loss, not delivering a med, cost, not getting report out on time, quantity, yield, loss, cost, quantity, but not as a number, but as a number, I should say, not as a pile, defect rate, quality quotients, timeliness, Cost again, cost again, cost again, and margin. In a way, this is disembodied information. Information that is linked to the chain of cause and effect, linked to the causal chain, but as an expression of it, not as the chain itself. I have told you, shown my hand on this, that one of the missing pieces in the conversation of excellence disappeared about 20 years ago, and that is the discussion of the causal chain. As we understand effect and cause, and I spent the first 10 years of my work when I started in 1983 learning about the causal chain. I did it through CDAC, cause and effect diagram with the addition of cards. Ryuji Fukuda, my great sensei, gave me that work to bring to the Western world. Many of you have benefited from it. Those changes are the changes... That that formulation is a formulation of what Dr. Fukuda gave me to uh, unnest and deliver. Cause and effect. (laughs) Much greater, I think, than Ishikawa because you've got the flexibility of the cards. I did a show on that about two years ago. It's uh, called Scoreboarding. 
Okay. The causal chain. Information that is linked to the causal chain is leadership information, but as an expression of that causal chain, not as the chain itself. The devices embed that kind of information. And so you see devices like charts, graphs, displays, sequences, models, schematics, formats. You've seen them. They're everywhere. Mostly they are in the leader's computer, sometimes on her lap, sometimes projected on a 50-by-50-foot screen at the local convention center. But the problem that we have with devices that hold that kind of information, which you could see as data, is that they are not, as I see it, they, they hold no meaning. Unless someone tells you what that meaning is, unless these charts and displays and sequences and graphs and schematics are explained, they hold no meaning, meaning of their own without a lot of words and a lot of effort. And that means when the explanation stops, when I've finished presenting, the explanation pretty much melts into thin air. The explanation and the information is pretty much then open to memory to get it right. And if it's open to memory, it's very open to interpretation. And if we inter- if we're involved in interpretation, then misinterpretation follows on its heel. So it is not enough to simply make data visible and call it visual, because visuality, visual devices always have. Avalance. They always have an emotional, intentional genesis. They come from our need, which brings me to the next. We talked about definition of visual workplace, definition of visual device, definition of the eye. What do I need to know that I don't know in order to do my work? I speak that question as an executive. I speak it as an assembler, as a nurse, as a surgeon, as a GM, as a planner, as a purchaser. The same question, the same I, if you will. Meaning, what is driving you crazy? (laughs) The absence of information is what's driving me crazy. Why can't I get what I need when I need it? This is what I need to know. And we always begin with the need. The need leads. The need is the pull that pulls a visual workplace into place for the executive as well. The only thing is our executives, supervisors, and managers have not been groomed to expect that. They think they have to have meetings. They think they have to have sessions. They think they have to have reports. It's a completely different way of knowing and of leading and of driving. And we are going to get to this in a few more sessions about the leader as driver. You can't drive if you don't know the destination. You can't drive if you do not have information relevant to that destination. This is a whole piece of cloth. When we talk about visual leadership, we're talking about a whole piece of cloth. So it's not enough to simply make data visible. It must have a valence. 
and it must have a context. The valence comes from the context. It's not just visible information. It is charged, charged, electric. There is emotional content. It does matter whether or not you have a leader or an electronic board. Believe me, there's a difference. Electronic boards don't lead. They share data, and they do it fairly well. But what I need is meaning. For me to know what that data means, I need to know what it means. What's its impact? And where does that charge come from? It comes from, in leadership, the eye of the leader. Yes, you could say this is the physical eye, the eye that sees, but I call it the pronoun eye, capitalized. It is the self. It is the self. It is the will. The will inside of that leader. We'll just let the self and the will be one during this discussion. There's no need to parse that any more closely for this conversation. So there are basic principles of visuality, and one of them is the eye. And we want to shift that eye to encompass the leadership as an outcome. Leaders create eye-driven devices. That's part of the work that I do in teaching this brand, this form of visual leadership. I want that leader to be invested. That's what, for me, qualifies the devices as visual. The leaders need to know demonstrated. The need begins with I. What do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work? Little does it matter that that work is commandeering an assembly line as a supervisor or commandeering a vast organization of 20,000 souls. It's still the I. And while we have had a long conversation about leadership job descriptions, These job descriptions align because the I is dominant. You know, I've heard a great deal about the importance of computer-captured data, LCD projections, and electronic displays, but I want to say it again. And by the way, I will do a whole show on that so it's more cogent and you can give it to your boss or give it to your direct reports. But for the near term, let me say, in my view, unequivocally, they are not a replacement for Leadership visuality, they are simply a small component of it. A small component, 1.5%. Visual management, maybe 3% of the visual of the visual workplace spectrum. They are helpful, but they are not instrumental. And they are certainly not in- indispensable. So we have the definition of a visual workplace. We have the definition of visual devices. And we know that a visual workplace is populated by hundreds No, by thousands of visual devices invented by a workforce that has learned how to think visually. Let me give you this as a task. Take a census of the visual devices in your company. Count them. And after you count them, you can take photographs. You know, you can put them up on the screen or whatever, print them out. Count them and separate them into categories. Operator-led or operator-needed, supervisor-needed, Planner needed, engineer needed visual devices, executive needed visual devices, and see how they distribute. Look at the spread. And I will tell you that the devices created by and for 
the devices created by and for executives and supervisors will be fewer in number, but will have an will be exponentially more powerful in terms of corporate impact. Operators impact the micro level. Very important. Leaders, supervisors impact the macro in intent and in impact. We'll pick this theme up as soon as we come back for our last segment. I'll be here. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. It's Gwendolyn. Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're at the Visual Workplace, and we are making the proposition visual leaders are visual thinkers first. They engage in the same cycle of thinking that supports and anchors operator-led visuality, but they do it for their work. And where operators, as I was saying before the break, where operators make a contribution, a visual contribution on the micro level of the organization through the devices that support their bench, their, their supply cabinets, their movement of materials, et cetera, their reports, their office functions, Leaders, supervisors, managers, and executives create devices that impact on a macro level. Does that mean that one is more important than the other? Micro means not that important. Macro means very, very important. Not at all. 
any more than the letters in a book are less important than the sentences themselves. Take away the letters, you don't have a book. Take away the sentences, you don't have a book. They work together. But the sentences hold the charge. The sentences, which is the macro level, hold the charge. They hold, if you will, the author's vision, the author's emotional need to express. That's the leader's vision. That's the macro. They have very, very high impact. And they are of equal importance. This is where our eyesight has to shift. We must help our leaders because they want to make a contribution, help them find and speak the language of visuality. It will help everyone. It will help the assemblers. It will help the folks who move material around from here to there. When we look at the 10 doorways, remember the 10 doorways, I introduced them in, I think, November or December of 2011. You can go back to those shows. The leadership doorways are doorway three, visual displays for supervisors, managers and engineers, and leadership four, I'm sorry, and doorway four, which is, first of all, metrics, then problem solving, then the mechanisms of leadership. That's the doorway. And when we look at the big picture, what we're doing in all cases is translating vital information into exact behavior, only in this case, we're translating vital information, the answers to the missing questions, into leadership behaviors, exact leadership behaviors. And we ask ourselves, and I want to give this to you as homework, what is work for a supervisor? for a manager, for an executive. Remember, visuality defines work as moving and adding value. We define motion as moving and not adding value. What is work for a supervisor? Well, in order to find the work, we have to find the value field, and for a supervisor, it's all of those assembly lines, all eight of them, or all 12 of them. Well, the manager or production chief may be in charge of all, all 12, but the supervisor's got one of those lines, and it's a moving target. The work is through others, the same with executives, but that doesn't mean that it all gets delegated. And in a show, maybe not the next one, but probably in two or three shows, I'm not sure, trying to get the outline clear, my esteemed editor, Aurelia Navarro, <laughs> is helping me. Uh, find the sequencing. We'll talk about the different job descriptions. I have a model for that that I think you'll find very useful. Where is the value field for the executive? Because if the value field is supposed to be populated by visual devices that allows him or her to pull the answers to their need to know, where is that value field? If I want control over my corner of the world, where is that corner for the executive? Well, I can tell you for one thing, it's not your desk. It's not your desk, even though most leaders spend most of their time on their desk, at their desk. Mm -hmm. So what is work for the leader? If you're a leader, write it down. What is work for you? And what is motion? Do that. What is motion? What are the forms of motion? 
Because when you look at that, you're going to see that your forms of motion have to do with endless questions that you are either asked or you ask. Asking and answering, asking and answering, asking and answering, always missing some information. And out of that comes bad information, incomplete, incorrect, imprecise, missing, late, too late, irrelevant. Bad information makes for bad communication. Bad information misleads. By bad, I'm not saying intentionally bad, but because the system isn't in place to allow you to access accurate, complete, and timely information on your level, which is a macro level, and find its meaning so that you can interpret it through visual devices, you've got bad information, and it misleads. And as a result, you make the wrong decision, or you make no decision at all. That's the way it is with bad communication bad information. It disguises the truth. There's a rare quantity in an enterprise, the truth. It disguises the truth and creates an air of mystery and unpredictability around the simplest transactions. We simply don't know. We don't know, and we therefore don't share. Those are the flip sides of what do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work, and what do I need to share that others need to know that I need to share so they can do their work more safely, more completely, more on time, with greater spirit and engagement because they own it. They can own it because they've got full information, full disclosure. The tangible results of bad information sharing is wasted time, lost orders, accidents, late deliveries. These are tangibles. Mistakes, rework, shrinking profits, delays, scrap, unhappy customers. That's the tangible part. The intangible are ferocious. <laughs> Gossip, blaming, low morale, guilt, shouting even, shouting in this day and age. Hypervigilance, hoarding, finger pointing, lying, anger deteriorating, eroding trust, fights. May I even say hate? I've seen it. I have seen it. Mostly in Ohio, but I've seen it. <laughs> Ohio, please don't blame me. I love you. You've got the best dogwood trees dogwood trees in the world. <laughs> but I also notice there's a lot of compression. Hoarding, frustration, depression, secrets. This is also work culture. This is work culture, what I just described. It's just not one that you can do much with. And the solution, you know, you knew it when you turned, uh, tuned in. The solution is the same. The solution, the antidote is embedding information through visual devices so that it is at your fingertips, so that you have the information you need to put it into meaning so that you can tell us what it means, leaders, and we can move forward with you together. We can enroll in your vision because you have one, because that data on its subtlest level is whispering a vision to us, a destination that only you can take us to. 
and you're going to take us there through visual devices so that it can be shared and it also can be adjusted. It can be modified. Once it's in a tangible physical form, we can then share that meaning, share that vision of a destination, but also adjust it. Hmm? It's very, very exciting. So I've accomplished the goal that I set out for today, which was to show you how the logic of visual thinking applies to leaders just as it does operators. And those leaders include supervisors, managers, and executives. I'm very excited about this uh, series that we're doing. You know I'm uh, high on leadership and visual leadership on the eye of the leader, and it is my pleasure indeed to share this with you, and I hope you find it useful. And I hope you find that you will use it. I want to thank you very much for joining me today and giving me of your good time. And I'm going to sign off now. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and that's what I'm doing. I'll see you the next time. Thanks. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 